Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm editor Kyle Swartz of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Normally, I'm joined by my colleague, Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers Magazine, but she was unavailable today due for personal reasons. Before we jump into today's guest, I want to talk to you about our On and Off Beverage Week events from June 13th to 15th in Orlando, Florida. This includes our annual Beverage Alcohol Retailers Conference, put on by Beverage Dynamics Magazine, from June 13th to 15th. Bark, as we call it, is the only off-premise retailer event in the industry. It's for independent retailers, large and small, with three days of high-level education and valuable networking. Beverage Week also includes our Cheers Beverage Summit, also June 13th to 15th, put on by Cheers Magazine. Intended for on-premise beverage executives, this event includes product and resource discovery, cost-saving ideas, best practices, thought-provoking panels, and unique networking opportunities. We hope to see everybody there. Getting into our podcast now, we're going to be talking responsible alcohol practices. Specifically, we're speaking with Pat Daly, Chief of Enforcement for the Mississippi Alcohol Beverage Control Bureau of Enforcement, and Kurt Alexander, an agent with the Mississippi Alcoholic Beverage Control. They're going to discuss the Bureau's recent mystery shopping program that checked on the compliance of beverage alcohol retail stores and other license holders in the state. So thank you both to Kurt and Pat for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So jumping in here, how did the program work? Well, in Mississippi, we have Mississippi Statute 67-183. And the problem with 67-183 was um, if we found an intoxicated patron or an individual who was overserved in an ABC licensed business and we then charged the business, the only option under the statute is revocation. So with revocation being the only option for an enforcement action, it became one of those statutes or laws that we had trouble enforcing because um, in uh, our spreadsheet that I have for administrative action against permit holders, I went back over the last 10 years and we had charged nine businesses with that over the last 10 years. And of those nine, six were reduced to other charges that allowed for a suspension where it was a plea agreement between the licensee and the ABC Enforcement Legal Division to allow them to plea to the lesser charge for an expended four-week suspension. Um, prior to um, us getting the funding for the grant from NAVCA to conduct the research, uh, the Mississippi legislature, through advice through legal counsel, took our advice and realized 67183 was a very harsh penalty. And they reduced it to where it made it a suspendable offense rather than revocable. Sure. Well, after that, that took away the basis of the reason for our grant application to gather the data to try to find out what type of violation rate we actually had here in the state of Mississippi. And then our intent was to take that data, create a training video, go around to the ABC licensed businesses in Mississippi and say, hey, we would really like to work with you to develop a ABC approved server training program throughout the state because Here's the video evidence of what our agents and undercover operatives found through our, our forum in the pseudo-intoxicated patron um, study. These businesses would now be revoked. And a lot of these are the bigger, um, more 
gener uh, revenue generating businesses in the state that would now not have a liquor license. Absolutely. So as you're conducting this study, and again, th thank you to NAPCA for providing such a great grant for this. And, you know, that's one of the great things that NAPCA does is uh, supporting uh, the control state agencies in a new number of ways, including uh, alcohol enforcement and public safety programs such as this. Uh, what kind of data did you find when you conducted this program? I'll let Kurt speak to that. Uh, with everything going on in the agency right now, I tasked a uh, senior agent, Kurt Alexander, with handling that. I'll allow him to speak to that if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, thank you, Chief. Uh, what we found was an over 75% um, sale rate to our visibly intoxicated actor. Ooh. About 76% of on-premise retailers sold to our pseudo intoxicated actor. And even more surprisingly, 82% of package retailers sold to our pseudo intoxicated actor, wow. which actually surprised me. Yeah. Uh, I thought it might have been the other way around. Yeah. Uh, what I deduced was, um, you know, I suspected that, you know, with a package retailer, someone comes in, it's usually a one-on-one -on -one interaction with the clerk. Um, it was well-lit business. Uh, they see the person as they come in through the door throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole store. So they can see those visible signs of swaggering, staggering, uh, stumbling, stuff like that. Whereas with a bar setting, you know, a lot of times it's dark, it's noisy, it's loud. Uh, you have multiple uh, bartenders waiting on multiple people at one time. So I would thought that it would have been the other way around, actually. Mm -hmm. So surprisingly, it's this way. But we did find one variable that did influence the package retailers' um, uh, reasoning for selling to our actor. And that was they had the luxury of being able to see the um, when the actor arrived at the business we dropped them off at every place we went to in our vehicle. So they saw that they were a passenger and wow. our undercover agents who were in the store as fellow patrons kind of started some small talk with the clerk afterwards. Say, Hey, you know, I hope that person's not driving. You know, they thought they might've had too much drink. And a common thing we heard was, well, yeah, I saw they were riding someone else or they had a ride. So they thought it was okay to sell to them. Yeah, I never really is, thought. Sorry, go ahead. I was, but I was going to say, is, I'm really, sorry. Which is which is contrary to state law, and it does have negative sure. consequences because you don't know where that person may end up. They may end up driving still, stumble into the roadway, end up in a fight and hurting someone or killing someone. Sure. So, I mean, so it's still it's, it's still a against our against the law and against the law in many states, and it has a negative consequence. Could still come about that. Absolutely. That's kind of wild. Yeah. You know, that had never occurred to me that, um, you know, if they see somebody getting dropped off, you know, maybe like by an Uber, you know, who knows, or a rideshare service that they would be more likely to sell to them. That had never occurred to me. And that's very interesting data that you guys collected. Yes. Um, so tell me about like, what are some of the takeaways you got from this data? And how do you pull that together when you're making a training video that you then uh, assumingly uh, sent around? Well, we, uh, when formulating this video, we, we put together the things you're supposed to the visual signs, the verbal signs, the mental uh, attitudes, because people's attitudes may change whenever they're intoxicated. And uh, we also used our same actors to um, um, to film this video, which we had a stage situation. It showed the various stages of someone who's completely sober, someone maybe in that buzzed or tipsy category, and then someone who is overly intoxicated. And essentially, some of the some of the goals of the video would be like, you know, at what stage do you cut this person off? At what yeah. stage do you not sell to them? Yeah, absolutely. What what was your finding on that in terms of uh, trying to determine the stages and what's an acceptable stage to sell to somebody? Well, one thing um, 
you know, the, the video is still in, 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 in production right now. Yeah. Uh, we have put some stuff together. Uh, that's something that we're going to have to, as an agency, kind of determine, you know, because unlike checking IDs with underage persons, that's black and white. You know, they're either under 21 or not yeah. 21. Uh, in this case, you know, visible intoxication was always kind of a deal that it has different, it could be interpreted different by different people. Yeah. So we got to try to find that baseline exactly where that we in Mississippi are going to tell our retailers, look, this is where you need to start considering uh, taking that appropriate action to cutting this person off or serve them something non-alcoholic and we're pacing them or something like that. I do want to talk a little bit more about some appropriate actions, but I just want to drill a little bit more into this. And if you're not, you guys aren't ready to come up with a definition yet, that's fine. But I just want to one more time uh, ask what, what, like, what do you, do you have something you're comfortable saying now in terms of what's a, a acceptable state? If you guys aren't uh, there yet, that's no problem, but I'm just wondering. I'll, I'll see if chief has anything to say on that. <laughs> the only thing that we can put out right now is, is we would have to rely on, basically our standardized field sobriety testing that all law enforcement goes through um, mm -hmm. in basic academy in mississippi and the standard is different for every person because mm -hmm. every person has a different tolerance for alcohol if you have a very low tolerance individual they're going to exhibit very clear signs and cues to say this person has had way too much to drink in the in actuality they've only had one drink per se mm -hmm. uh, whereas if you have a high tolerance alcohol person they could come in after drinking uh, multiple shots a 12 pack and they would be functioning just like we are so determining an acceptable level is left to human interaction and human interpretation um, I don't know that we'll ever be able to define and show a clear cut black and white. These are the signs where you should not serve this person because we understand the retailers are in a very tough place. They have multiple duties. They have food. They have multiple clients. So their interaction with them for that brief few seconds, it would be great if we could come up with a black and white. This is too much. This is okay but I don't think we're there yet. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's certainly a gray area. Um, Kurt, you were mentioning some of the appropriate responses that uh, retail employees can take when they are uh, faced with someone who is visibly intoxicated. I really liked what you said about pointing somebody towards non-alcoholic products. That seems like a very um, uh, respectful and perhaps subtle way of saying we don't think you're in the right state of uh, being to be purchasing alcohol without you know, having to call somebody drunk um, what are some of the other appropriate actions that you would recommend? Well, actually, you know, we learned a lot of that uh, when we filmed the video. We we used one of our local casinos, um, and they have some very professional staff there who basically told us some of the stuff that they do, and that was one of the options. You know, they would they would try to persuade them into a non-alcoholic beverage, even like a virgin type drink. Um, some other things, uh, food credit. Sometimes, sometimes businesses will offer food instead mm. of another drink. Uh, that also helps, you know, maybe helps with uh, reducing the effects of the alcohol, get some food in their system. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously caffeinated beverages has always been a thing, a cup of coffee or something like that. Um, there, there's, there's different ways like that. Different businesses are pretty crafty. will come up with different ways to, um, to, to offer that, that customer another option. What about at retail? Uh, what are some other things that retailers can say? Uh, retailers, uh, you know, it's a little bit harder for retailers, but they have different 
options too. They may offer some sort of um, obviously they, they do off they do sell some non-alcoholic products like your mixer. Some of those are are soft drinks and stuff like that. Um, it's going to be a little more difficult with them. I don't really don't really have an answer for that. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have anything, Chief? Um, in response to your question about the um, violation rate and the over service, uh, the documentation we received, as you're aware, we used RR Forum, which is Brad Crever, uh, PhD. He's done a lot of studies across the United States. And in his documentation back to us, typically he's found across the nation an 80% violation rate where wow. it's higher in college communities. Sure. So nationwide, if 80% is the average, Mississippi was below that, but we're still close to it and it's not good and I don't like it. But what I think I find real um, re uh, revealing in this is that there's been no research of seller servers and bartenders conducted to explain the poor adherence to state laws and their own establishments policies mm -hmm. to refuse over service. Servers, mm -hmm. bartenders, and clerks know how extremely unlikely it is that their over service will be observed. Mm. or that they will suffer any consequences for over-service. Mm -hmm. I find that a little bit disturbing, and that is the whole intent behind this study and the video for education so that we can promote this to the industry members here in the state and say this is why we need standardized server training in the state of Mississippi is because here are the statistics that says your employee's not aware of what third-party liability is. They're not aware that you're liable, that if this individual who is exhibiting these signs and they're on video doing this and you overserve them and they go out in front of this business, get in a vehicle and they hit somebody, hurt somebody, they are personally liable as well as the business. And that's what we want to do is take that information and, and, and attempt to educate all of the people who are involved in the service industry so that they are aware Yes, you are liable. Um, you do need to know that you could be caught and you could suffer consequences of it. And we don't want that to happen to you because you're trying to make a living in this industry. All we want you to do is adhere to the training that we want to get implemented and hopefully participate in and help develop. Yeah, no, certainly seems uh, certainly seems like something that needs to be taken uh, very seriously, especially with, wow, that 80% national number is quite alarming. Uh, what, what kind of responses have you gotten from the licensees that you've already talked to about this? I imagine some of them must have reached out after realizing that you were there. Actually, they, they haven't really, we did, we did it so undercover, they didn't really know we did it. Um, and we really haven't reached out to them yet. Um, I, I have during my permit inspection, I've gone by and talked to them, site visits and kind of mentioned that, hey, look, this we have noticed a trend that this is a problem in the state and we need to start working on that. That's kind of the introductory kind of, of some of our education, the video and doing some 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 in more in-depth server training is going to be further down the list. Uh, I do want to add something though. Um, when I went into do, doing this project, I really expected to be more problems with um, one-off businesses, mom and pops, mm. who may be selling more uh, to the, the pseudo-intoxicated patrons. But uh, what I found was actually we had some national chains that we had problems with as well, which is surprising because I, I would think there'd be more and a stricter policy with them. And uh, one was a national uh, a, a chain steakhouse uh, that the, the server uh, told uh, our visibly intoxicated patron uh, actor 
who came in and said, I can't sell to you, but I can sell to you if you order food. Uh, so she ordered an appetizer and ordered a Budweiser. I may, I can't say that may ordered a beer and, um, uh, they sold to her. Hmm. No, that is very interesting. The idea of mom and pop stores versus chain stores, the employees there, I, you know, what comes to my mind, and you know, this is just me thinking offhand here is perhaps the mom and pop stores or the independent chains, you know, you're going to have employees who've been there for a long, long time. Usually, you know, perhaps there's more of a family atmosphere there. So people are more comfortable with having to tell somebody, you know, no, you can't order versus these chain stores, you know, I, and again, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but it seems like the employee turnover rate is perhaps a little bit higher at the chain stores. Again, I could be wrong there, but it's just my own personal observation. When I go to the chain stores in my home state of Connecticut versus the independent stores where I spend most of my time and I know all the general managers there, you know, on a first name basis. And I've, I've seen them deal with intoxicated people and they're good with it, but it's because, you know, they, they look at that store as part of their family. And so they're, they have no problem telling someone, you know, what's what in a place that has more of a home feel versus the chain store. Again, apologies if I'm speaking out of turn to the chains, but it seems like a bit more employee turnover there. I, I wonder if that's something uh, you've observed as well. That is a good observation. It could be, that could have something to do with it. I didn't think about it from that aspect. Uh, my thoughts was typically uh, what I've seen, all these stores have a more stringent policy. Uh, they do offer and require training, whereas some of the ones the, the one-off businesses in our area, maybe not. Sometimes they're right now everyone's hurt for employees. It's hard yeah. to get employment and they're, they're getting whoever they can sometimes. No, that's a very good point. Uh, employment issues are affecting everybody everywhere and certainly affecting alcohol retailers and uh, bars and restaurants even more so. So, you know, again, like uh, to, to see what I was saying, that's even more employee turnover. That's even more new employees coming in. And I mean, I'm, we've all seen it going out to bars and restaurants. It seems like everyone who's working there has been working there for about five minutes. Um, so, you know, a lot of fresh faces in these businesses. And so, you know, a lot of people who maybe don't know how to handle an intoxicated uh, customer. So again, all the more reason uh, to have a, a training program like this. When do you guys think the training program will be uh, ready for you to start um, bringing it around the state? We're hoping by the first uh, of July, we'll be ready to start uh, implementing that and conducting trainings across the state. And yeah, and what what do you uh, what's your vision there for rolling that out? It's basically a volunteer basis. We don't mandate it or require it of the businesses. We usually they usually will accept it. They, they usually want the training. It, it really helps them out. Um, they've been very appreciative when I've done it in the past. Um, I, we usually try to get several businesses together. Uh, when we have a venue large enough to, to put several people, several different entities together, if they're large enough, they're uh, uh, several hundred employees, like one of our casinos would be, I would just host it at their place of business. If I can speak to that for one second, Kyle. The um, intent is, what I would like to see happen is, is we have some of the NAPCA money left over um, after the video and the, the pseudo intoxicated and paying for all of the stuff involved into the investigation and the undercover operations is we intend to use a little bit of that money to do some social media or possibly even some uh, news media information saying ABC enforcement did a study, no violations occurred during this study, but these are the statistics of what the agency found. The agency will be providing video training as well as live training to the license holders. And these are the dates, times, and locations of the live training. Um, As you're aware, the state of Mississippi has no mandated or statutory requirement for server training. Huh, interesting. 
Um, and again, you know, that's another uh, opportunity to give a shout out to NAVCA for providing funds for excellent programs like this. Um, what advice, uh, final question here, what, what advice would you guys have for other states uh, looking to do this kind of program? Kurt? <laughs> don't, don't all jump in at once. Yeah, well, Kurt, Kurt handled it. He was, the, he was boots on the ground. So he can tell you some of the situations he ran into that maybe would streamline the operation a little bit more so than myself. Well, I guess maybe we should have discussed how we did the operation to start with. Uh, basically, we had um, a couple of, of actors that we used at different points um, in, the, in the operation. Uh, it was done in three stages. We did uh, South Mississippi, North Mississippi, and Middle Mississippi. Uh, we also used two of our uh, agents as undercovers. And on-premise retailers, we'd send both of them in. They were usually together, but they were separate from the, the, um, the decoy actor, the, uh, the pseudo-intoxicated actor. And their purpose was to not only to observe and, and try to record with cell phones or hidden cameras, the interactions between the, the actor and the, the uh, employee, but also to um, provide protection for them. Uh, you know, if you're in a bar environment uh, at night, uh, you don't know what may happen. These people are unarmed. You know, our, our guys are usually um, in, in those types of situations. You know, we'll be able to uh, maybe, uh, if something went bad, it could take that person out of that environment. Mm -hmm. um, but but that I always say that didn't happen. We had, it, everything went good on that part. Sure. But I would say for anyone doing that is just be flexible because one thing that we came across is anytime you make a plan, your plan is always going to change. Things are going to come up. We had businesses that were closed that we were going to try that we had to go and, um, you know, go back and, and try a different one instead. Uh, we've had situations where, you know, we, we thought certain types of bars would be more likely like a nightclub type environment where it's, where it's more people in there, maybe a college town type environment. What we found out was that it was too loud, too dark, too noisy in those places to get any type of, of good video or even hear what was going on. Even if our, our guys were sitting right next to the actor, they really couldn't hear what was going on. So we actually went back and punted and tried more uh, chain restaurants or, or restaurant type environments that had bars associated with them and actually had the same results as we would have gotten at the other place. So uh, you got to think outside the box on this stuff. Uh, but the, 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 the way we did it worked well. Um, I was very proud of the detail and uh, very proud of the operation and how it worked. And, and I thought we got good results from it. Sure. Absolutely. Sounds like a phenomenal program. You are giving me flashback to the bars of my college years, though. Uh, loud, noisy, packed. I won't name which ones at UConn, but if you went to UConn, you know exactly which ones I'm talking about. Um, again, thanks to uh, Kurt and Pat for joining us today and talking about you know, some of the uh, important uh, issues here facing the idea of making sure we don't serve intoxicated people. And uh, thank you so much to both of you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, can Absolutely. I give you one more little blip? Please do. Okay. Uh, I'll do it like this. Let me see. Uh, Kyle, I'd like to thank uh, NABCA for the grant. And mm -hmm. I'd also like to thank Brad Crever, RR Forum, for uh, assisting us with this. Um, we all have to be cognizant that we applied for this grant and we had things set in motion and then legislation changed the statute that we were trying to affect positive change to through gathering this data and then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So NABCA as well as RR Forum were phenomenal in working with us to extend the grant 
to work on times, dates, and locations. And with the COVID situation, it made it extremely difficult on the ABC enforcement agents to coordinate to ensure businesses were open, businesses had clients in them. And I think that that would be an interesting study in the future is in areas where they had a certain number of violations during COVID. In a year or two, when things level out and normalize, maybe go back to see what the statistics would show then, because as we discussed earlier, a lot of these businesses were hurting for employees. Mm -hmm. They were hurting for funding. So um, that may have influenced some of this possibly. I don't know. You would have to get some results. Very good point. You know, and again, it goes back to something I said earlier, which is with, with the staffing crunch, you go to a bar and restaurant now, and a lot of the staff have been there for about five minutes. And, you know, on, on one hand, you kind of want to give them a break. And I, I try to give them a break whenever I can because they're still learning. But on the other hand, you know, that doesn't give them the right to break the law and serve people who are uh, intoxicated. So, again, all the more reason to have a training program, it sounds like to me. And again, you know, one more time, theme of this podcast, thank you to NAPCA for all the wonderful things you're doing and protecting public safety and uh, drinking, responsible, uh, drinking responsibly uh, practices in that regard. Uh, and so again, thank you to everybody who listened to this podcast and please do come back for our next podcast when we talk about another topic in the beverage alcohol trade industry. And until then, cheers.